Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Warriors This Week continues on 95.7 The Game. All right, two hours down, one hour to go, taking you up until noon as we do every single Saturday morning here on 95.7 The Game. This is Warriors This Week. Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone. I'm with you, Adrian Gutierrez, in the YouTube chat. Powered by First NorCal Credit Union. It's not young versus old. It's how to maximize both. And it seems Kerr can't figure that out yet. From the Comcast Business Text Line, 510, Trace Jackson Davis needs to start over Looney. Looney cannot play as well as TJD at the point at this point in this career. Uh, from the 650. First of all, appreciate the, the thoughts. Love the conversation, guys. I believe the given uh, situation, the unfortunate passing of the coach, and they will, gu- uh, I think he's trying to say galvanize this squad, but give this squad the remainder of the season and change will happen in the offseason. There's a lot going on with the Golden State Warriors right now as they get set for the Lakers at 530, Dan. But again, we're just trying to figure out how to balance this thing right now. It seems like the scales tend to tip towards the older, not enough towards the younger. How can we kind of find this synchronicity they've been missing? Let Kaminga play. Get Pajemski more run. Get Trace Jackson Davis into games. When Moses Moody is ready, get him into games. And then diminish the minutes of, of the Clay Thompsons of the world. Um, and even diminish the, the minutes of Steph Curry. Not because Steph Curry is not of value any longer. It's just simply because now you have the affordability to do that so that he has fresh legs later in games. How do you do this? It's putting your arms around and recognizing the Jonathan Kaminga should not have had to hit you over the head and do what it is that he's doing (laughs) just to etch out 28 to 30 minutes a game. And he's still not starting. I just don't know how you explain that away. And I hate, God, I hate going after Steve Kerr. I got to preface every time I say something about Steve Kerr, I got to preface all of that by saying I'm just a, a big fan of this guy. But I just don't know what it is that you're thinking or what it is that Jonathan Kaminga has to do to start and crack a rotation, quite frankly, that is one of the most unathletic and one of the slowest in the history of the NBA when you go front court of Dario Sarge, Kevon Looney, and Andrew Wiggins, and then an old Clay Thompson and a 35-year-old Steph Curry. Well, I think here's what... And Kaminga started 15 games this year, by the way, but I think the reason why he would be starting in the near future is his... look. I think Draymond Green brings the best out of J.K. on the court. 
Now, I know he's got some leadership aspects to him uh, that leave you wanting more, should we say. And I know that he's been off the court for a lot of the season, honestly over half the season, because of his own actions. But what I saw the last couple of games is that Draymond Green can extract a lot from Kaminga. And he looks comfortable when he's playing with him. Draymond is someone that... And he obviously is looking for Curry first and foremost, but I think he's got an eye up for J.K. Agreed. I think he's trying to get him the rock. I think he's trying to get him going. And I think he's encouraging him. He's telling him, look, you can take this guy off the bounce. No one can guard you. And I think Kaminga even admitted that after the Atlanta game in which he was a perfect 11 for 11. So I think that tonight, and again, my prediction for this evening against the Lakers is that Draymond Green is going to be back in the starting lineup. I think that trends well for someone like Kaminga. I don't know if that means Kaminga is immediately going to be in the starting lineup with him, as they would both replace, in my opinion, Sharich and then Looney. But I do think it bodes well for what we hope can happen, which is eventually get to the point where he's, if not starting, playing starting minutes, playing 33, 34, 35 minutes consistently providing impact because I think Draymond right now is the key for him. And he's 21. Or the indicator for him. You know, yeah, he's 21. He right. came out of that game midway in the fourth quarter. And again, I was like, well, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, you're not resting him for, for anything. He, if there's one guy that doesn't need load management, it's Jonathan Kaminga. How's this for a starting lineup? I know this has been floated about. Love mm-hmm. to get your feedback. Are you too small if you go Draymond at the five, Andrew Wiggins, and, uh, and Jonathan Kaminga, a front quarter Kaminga, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. No. Well, you're small no matter what. Like this is also the part about the Warriors that I don't know how many times we've we've talked about it, but I don't think it gets said enough. They're the smallest team in the NBA. Yeah. Like we get even smaller. They they do. But I think most importantly for this team, since you can't just go out and bring in a a seven footer, or at least they chose not to in the off season and throughout this season with potential buyouts, they are. I guess they could at the deadline, but. If they're going to be small, I think you have to be versatile. And that lineup that you just talked about, which is also what I I think I I referenced by inserting Kaminga in for Sarich and then Draymond in for Looney, I think you have your most, like your highest ceiling lineup. Like I think that is going to inevitably, in a perfect world, that would be the closing lineup for the Warriors because you have your most two-way players on the floor, you have your two best shooters on the floor, and you have your most your most athleticism on the floor. My question is, can you rebound? It's not necessarily defending at a high level, because I think that gives them the best chance to, but I do wonder how small you are and how many possessions you're going to allow second chance opportunities. The Warriors right now, they're fourth in total rebounding, Dan, but they're a pretty average to below average defensive rebounding team. And that was something that did hurt them against Sacramento, the offensive rebound and second chance opportunities for the Kings. Yeah, and for example, if you were to play the Lakers with that starting lineup, you'd be challenged right from the jump, right? When you think about you know, Hachimura and who's going to check Anthony Davis, I mean, it, when you go up against big front Vanderbilt lines, Vanderbilt and 6'8", when just about everybody in the Western Conference is big, you know, it becomes challenging. I still think it gives you the best opportunity because you're maximum as you said, the versatility uh, and the most athletic team that you have is that starting lineup. By the way, before we get to some of these calls, how much longer are you buying into? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Draymond has been so good, okay. and I don't recognize this version of Draymond, but I'm just, I'm sorry, man. 
It's just a matter of time before <laughs> he lets go. I'm not saying he's going to haul off and hit somebody, but uh, this is just, and especially as with every passing hour, every passing day, every passing game, uh, you know, John, excuse me, Draymond Green's going to be Draymond. This version of Draymond kind of makes me giggle. It's just like, you know, it's the, the proverbial pose, Draymond. It's the powder cake, man. It's it's going off. All right. Well, it's funny. There was a moment against Sacramento where, and again, he didn't do this intentionally, but he got a rebound, and you know, they, they always rip through, and they they kind of throw their elbow to like shake a guy off. Oh. He almost caught Davion Mitchell in the face. Like he almost elbowed him in the face, and that was like three or four inches away from being the end of Draymond Green's season. There's going to be a whole hell of a lot of more of those moments throughout this year. I don't think it's necessarily just Dan that he might blow up on somebody, although he, he was jawing with Malik Monk after he kind of committed a hard foul on him. But there's also going to be those moments where Draymond's just being Draymond. He doesn't have the best, it is a track record of not knowing where his limbs are at all time. And he's going to catch someone and he's going to get hit hard for it. Yeah, and so that's why it gets back to this whole idea as a change man. I, I push back against that from right from the outset. He ain't changed. He's keeping his hands in his pockets, just like every bad little kid when he comes back from detention is told to do. Like don't you know, don't bully the other kids. But he'll you know, it's we should there should be a betting line in Vegas what the over and under is before he becomes Draymond and gets that either the tech or another suspension. Yeah, I mean unless he's going to St. Augustine and he's finding the fountain of youth, I don't think he's changing anytime soon. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven Zero is the number. Evan Giddings and Dana Vaughn with you up until 12 o'clock Yard Warriors this week. Let's open things up to the fans. The coach is in Vallejo. What's going on, coach? How we doing here on Saturday morning? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm great on this Saturday morning. And, you know, I, I, I want to say that, first of all, I look at the Warriors very objectively, okay? I, I really do. And I, I like the team. However, but I'd like to speak frankly, I think, number one, Kaminga should not be a rotational player. He should be a featured player. Mm -hmm. I mean, they should put him on the court as much as possible. Okay? I mean, he has shown that he is ready now. Um, Now, I'm going to say something that's pretty unpopular. Okay? Oh. Pajinski. Pajinski, a lot of people look at this little guy and... I heard you say that he needs more minutes. Well, after the first five games, he's been averaging between 27 and 30 minutes a game. That's way too much for him because there's nothing special about him. If you look at the numbers, his shooting is not great. His free throwing is horrible. He's a turnover machine, and he can't stop anyone from penetrating. Now, one of the big problems with the Warriors, they have no point of attack defense. So, therefore, they have to use one of their larger guys Wiggins or Kaminga to guard the other team's point guard. We do not have a defensive point guard unless GP2 comes back or even try Keonis. But this love for Pajinski, I really don't understand it. You know, so please help me with that. Thanks. I'm kind of with you, Coach. Look, I like Pajemski. I think for a rookie, he is right where he's supposed to be, which is cracking the rotation, helping helping the team, but Kerr said it, and it's been a couple weeks now, but Pajemski's hit a yeah. bit of a rookie wall. Like, he has. Now, I think in November and December, he was giving you nice production. But in the month of January, you're right, Coach. He hasn't been very good defensively. He's shooting 32% from three across ten games. And his minutes have come down a little bit as a result of that. So, 
Look, I, I'm not asking Pajemski to be the answer, and I don't think he necessarily needs to play more. I think that was more, Dan, just an ask of general infusion of younger players to try and help out and supplant the older guys. Yeah, and I think we have to keep in mind that Pajemski isn't taking away minutes from Jonathan Kaminga. No. These are different positions, right? And with the absence of Moses Moody, with the absence of Chris Paul, is why you're seeing a lot more run for Pajemski. I think Pajemski, when I watched him play, I saw him play against Sacramento, I think he had a really good game. Pajemski continues to be beyond his years, and I know that he hasn't been as effective of late, but he's still somebody that doesn't get sped up He's somebody that balances the floor. Rarely does he get dribble himself into uh, a, a position where he's vulnerable. He makes the right pass. He sees the floor. He makes the right reads. And I think Steve Kerr, while you may not see it statistically, but I think Steve Kerr feels comfortable with guys like that, that know what to do with the basketball, and that are not going to make the glaring mistakes. And as a rookie, again, this dude's sort of an old soul. And, you know, the way, he's still very crafty around the rim. That rolling hook shot is right out of the 1960s, man. Just go get a, God, dude, go get a peach basket for this guy. If I see another hook shot from Pachinski, <laughs> I swear I'm going to throw something at the wall, man. It's not that it doesn't look good. It's not that I don't appreciate it. But, Dan, it's that it doesn't go in. That's my issue with it. But Pachemski, I think, is... I don't think that's an... When I think about the Golden State Warriors and the issues that they have, Pachemski's not one of them. Maybe we can squabble of whether or not he's getting, you know, three to five minutes too many. But Pachemski, to me, continues to be an asset going forward. No, he's... Look, he's, he's a good young piece, and... You know, he, he's shooting like over the course of the season. I think Pajemski's been a winning player. Now he hasn't played well lately, but that doesn't mean he's falling out of favor with Steve Kerr because he's one of the few guys. You know, I, I guess I'll be careful here. I I think he's a guy that if his shot isn't falling, there's still other ways in which he can impact the game. Like he doesn't need to be scoring and shooting and shooting the lights out in order to help you win. He draws charges. He is a good help defender. I don't think, to, to the coach's point, he's a great point-of-attack defender, but he's a smart defender. He knows where to be, and that is something that flies under the radar. Offensively, he can space the floor. He moves the ball. He knows where to go with the ball, and that, to me, is something that is a good sign from a rookie because typically it takes a little bit of time for guys like that in the NBA, and he already seems to have that under locking. And he's young. Again, it gets back to why Trace Jackson just simply needs to be out there, is that you need guys that can beat everybody up and down the floor. And you can just see that youthful energy, which is really sort of infectious, which they don't have on an old team. I'm gonna beat that, I'm gonna beat that horse that it's an old basketball team. And he, him getting into into passing lanes, being disruptive, being that sort of gnat defensively for opposing teams. The one thing though, coach, I will agree with you here. You didn't mention this, but I'll do it for you. The one thing that he's got to develop, especially for a guy who's going to play at the one of the two, is a jump shot. <laughs> I think he shot his first jump shot because I keep an eye on this the other night that I've seen all year long. The guy shoot, you have to, at some point, that's got to be part of your bag. Like if you get to the mid range, a, a pull up jump shot. A pull up jump yeah. shot. You've got, if you get to the mid range, you got to get off your feet. You cannot, you know, you can't get to beat someone. And get to eighteen to fifteen feet, and then shoot a set shot. That's just that's just not part of the game. And plus, it ain't going in. So he needs, you know, he needs a, he needs a jump shot. As ridiculous as that sounds, no, I, he does need a mid range J. Like if you look at his shot chart, all of his threes or all of his shots are either from three or in the paint, which is not a jump shot. His three, by the way, 
Yeah, it's kind of it's more of a set shot. Um, but he's he's got some lift because he's got a high arcing look. Um, like I think also something to to your point. Uh, he is shooting 39% from three on the year. That is a good percentage, though he hasn't been shooting it well in the month of January. But if you just look at, and this is also, I think, like Kerr's kind of telling you that too, Dan, that he doesn't create for himself or doesn't yet because he's always on the floor with another point guard. Like he plays the two. He doesn't play the one. And even though I think he's got a decent handle... He's more of a ball mover. He's not a a ball initiator right now. That's why he's on the floor with Corey Joseph. And I wish that he could be more of an initiator of the offense because it means that we'd see less of Corey Joseph. But he's not at that point yet. If you look at uh, Pajemski's makes, like 75% of them or 80% of them are assisted on. Like he's not creating for himself. So that is one area I'm with you that he can't improve in. Someone that has been creating for himself is Jonathan Kaming, and Jerry wants to talk about him. Jerry's out in Hayward. Welcome to the program, Jerry, here on Warriors this week. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, just, just wanted to mention uh, Kaminga being sitting on the bench last year uh, behind, uh, was that not Todd Jerome, but the other fellow who's playing in New Zealand now. Anthony Lane. Australia. Anthony Lamb. Okay, so Kerr decided to make that move to try to. I don't know if he was stressing uh, defense or his whatever he was. He uh, Kaminga was doing it correctly, but uh, and then now Moody also. Um, uh, Kerr also showing the same kind of uh, indifference to uh, uh, Moody, who's been pretty good this year, and I'm wondering now that Moody comes back, hopefully next week, is he going to be sitting on the bench? Or is Kerr going to go ahead and let him start playing? I, I had a thought. What if uh, Wiggins is put up on the trade block and possibly who else could we have? Someone else. Could Moody play in, the, in the, uh, Wiggins' position? I, that's a good question, Jerry. I think the way that Kerr uses him, Kaminga's more of a four. He plays the three when Sharch is out there because Sharch can space the floor and allows room for Kaminga. But it's kind of weird. I was having this conversation with a few people on Thursday at Chase Center. It's like they only have one true three small forward, and that's Wiggins. Everyone else is kind of a tweener in other positions. Kaminga, they use him more at the four. Moody, who had fallen out of favor before he even got hurt, and he's going to be out tonight with a calf strain. But he's more of a two. Clay probably is closer to a three now than would tend to a, than to a two like he was before. They use Pajemski as more of a two. They don't really have any threes. But I think the caller brings up a good point that at this point, maybe you just move off just to entertain this. Maybe you just move off of Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. for the sake of unloading the contract, right? Unloading money. And maybe you just you're not necessarily trading him to get value, though you know you'll get some expiring contracts back because that's what you got to do in order to execute a trade in the NBA. But basically, you're doing it to free up money for a team that's at four hundred million dollars, which is the most not only in the NBA but I think in professional sports in terms of the salaries. Yeah. So you get rid of his contract, and and now what you've done is. Um, you freed up time for the Moses Moody's of the world where you could have that conversation. If Jonathan Kaminga continues to ascend, you don't have to worry about you know his minutes as it uh, to sort of work between him and Andrew Wiggins. It sort of frees up a lot of that conversation. 
as far as getting Moses Moody more run, especially when you're going 12 deep, that at this point, are we at the point, I should say, where, where you're willing to just to, to get rid of the contract that is, you know, Andrew Wiggins and free up time for, for a team that goes 12 to 13 deep and free up time for the John of the Kamingas and the Moses Moody's of the world? Yes, absolutely. I, I don't know if we've talked about that explicitly, but that's been something that I've flo- tried to float a lot in the stations. I, I don't think Andrew Wiggins is you're getting anything back for him. You're not getting any value for Wiggins. He might be toxic to so many other teams, in addition to his production, but mainly the contract, because he got three more years of this, and I just don't think teams want to do the dance of which Wiggins is going to show up on a given night. So, if that's the case, the Warriors are going to have to bite the bullet and I think package something or someone with Wiggins to ship off his contract. In a perfect world, I think that basically... Wiggins is going to be traded, you're going to get an expiring contract back, and then you look at this offseason, you compete the rest of the way, you see what you have with Moody, I guess, you know, he's Kaminga, maybe you try him more at the three alongside Sharch or, or Dre, whoever he feels like playing with, and then at the end of this year, Chris Paul walks, Clay Thompson, you try to bring him back at a lower number, or he decides to test free agency and go elsewhere, and you're off of Andrew Wiggins, and then you have like 50 to $70 million in cap space, and then you go and try and court someone that can help you. That way you don't have to give up as much right now at the deadline, and you have more financial flexibility. Your tax bill is not in the 400s. You bring it down ideally closer you know, to 300, and then you go from there and you try and compete in, in a different year. I think that's the best-case scenario. So yes, in a long-winded way, I would try and move off of Wiggins even if you don't get anything back. Which is another reason why Jonathan Kaminga is untouchable is that a lot of people forget that this is one of the few guys that they have under team control, right? This is a guy that is is not making a lot of money. Well, you can point at the Golden State Warriors over that luxury tax, and it's really you know sort of silly, but a lot of that's allocated to... The Andrew Wiggins of the world, Clay Thompson in his 43 mil, and of course, you know, Step pulling down, you know, his 50 plus and the 30 plus you got on the books for one Chris Paul. But Jonathan Kaminga is not in that conversation. So just yet another reason why that guy isn't going anywhere. I agree. I think there's two untouchables now for the Golden State Warriors. One of them is Steph Curry. The other, and the emerging untouchable, is Jonathan Kaminga. If you got any ideas about how to right the wrong for tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, if it involves a starting lineup change, if you think more minutes need to be distributed to a certain individual, we'll take your calls at 888-957-9570 on the other side. One final segment. Also, if you think there's someone else that's untouchable, if you think that no one's untouchable, if you want to try and blow this thing up and start all over, um, I don't know if I'm necessarily open for that, but if you have an interesting point, we will take it. Uh, interesting what could happen with Chris Paul when he returns. Of course, he's injured right now, but he's also another viable trade ship for the Golden State Warriors. One final segment when we return here on 95.7 The Game. This is Warriors This Week with Evan Giddings and Dan Devone. We're back after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Warriors This Week continues on 95.7 The Game. All right, one last half hour here on Warriors this week. As always, from 9 to noon here on 95.7 The Game every Saturday, Evan Giddings and Dan Devone with you. And before, I know we're, we're talking about your salvage speech, Dan. I want to get to the optimism in just a moment, but before... Keep hope alive! But before, uh, it sounds like Mark and Concord wants to balance us out a little bit before the Warriors take on the Lakers here at 5.30 in a few hours. Warriors live beginning at 4.30. Everything, of course, on 95.7 The Game. Let's bring on Mark. What's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, good, good. Thank you. Uh, just on blowing up the Warriors uh, type of thing. Oh, boy. Uh, that guy, the guy named Coach said that Pajinski is a, t- a turnover machine. Well... The biggest turnover machine we got is Steph, and he's been that way for a long time. Yeah. Okay, it, it's unbelievable. Nobody wants to say it because he's Steph, but I'm telling you, he, you could take his average 27 points a game, add up his turnovers that that go into points, and he's probably under 20 points a game. He gives it away. So here's the deal with the Warriors. You know what? They won four titles, and they try to keep the big three together, and they're bending over backwards for them, and they're getting older. And they don't play defense, and they're not going to win another title the way it is right now. So I don't have a problem getting rid of the big three at all. Oh. I mean, I understand Steph is the Joe Montana and the Willie Mays of the Bay Area back basketball. I get it. But uh, if you want to win titles like Lakeup did when he first got here, then you got to go for it. And uh, if you're just content with trying to sneak into the playoffs, then leave it alone. But uh, – the thing with Draymond Green, he should have been dumped a long time ago. He acts like a child. And when you raise a child, you do not treat a child by giving him rewards for bad behavior over and over and over again. It's making me sick. I got no respect for Lakeup anymore or Kerr. So I do love the Warriors. I was a ball boy for them as a kid. And uh, I go way back with them with Thurman and, and Mullins and all those guys. So I would really like to see them do an overhaul and uh, start over. Thanks, Mark. Well, it sounds like just raise Chase Center to the ground. Build Good call. It right back up. <laughs> I, you know what? what? I, I no. Well, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. Leave the arena out of this. I don't necessarily disagree with what it is that he said about Steph Curry. Now, look at he goes a little bit too far for me, but Steph Curry, first of all, isn't going anywhere, and Steph we have to recognize is one of the greatest <laughs> to ever do it. But let me, I'll say this, Ev, to the caller's point. He's one of the most frustrating superstars I've ever witnessed. Like, there's Michael Jordan. I remember Michael Jordan. He might predate you. And there's the the Kobe Bryants of the world. R.I.P. There's the stars, you know, the greatest that I've ever done, LeBron James. Nobody has been as frustrating 
of a star like that, of a Steph Curry, that is hmm. still prone to making a cross-court pass with one hand from his hip, a no-look left-hand pass that just gets is telegraphed and picked off with such a high level of frequency. Now, he overrides a lot of that with his offensive remarkable playmaking and, shoot, and shot-making, but I've never witnessed a star that, that gives you as much and also at the same time takes away a lot of possessions. And it's not something, and this is sort of gets back to Steve Kerr, because I think Kerr, and Kerr will probably tell you this, I'm not going to, you know, there's no checks and balances when it comes to Steph Curry. He has complete liberty to do what it is that he wants to do. And I think, you know, Coach Kerr will tell you he's earned that. That, you know, in the closing moments, the ball's in his hands, uh, whatever he does on the floor, He's not under my tutelage. He's earned the right, as was one of the greatest to ever do it, to do whatever it is that he wants to do. And you can clearly see, because not only does he turn the ball over and has throughout his entire career, that there's no level of trying to eradicate that. That typically, as a coach, right, fundamentally as a coach, I coach at the Boys and Girls Club, when you see somebody doing something repeatedly, repeatedly when it's being done wrong and incorrectly, you try as a coach, and guide them in another direction and or provide some level of supervision to eradicate that behavior. But when Steph continues to do the same thing, and I guarantee he'll do it tonight, there'll be a one-handed, ill-advised pass that'll get picked (laughs) off, but he's not going to get called to the bench. In fact, there will be no mention of it by anybody that's of the Golden State Warrior coaching staff because he's Steph Curry. And I think it becomes problematic to a certain degree. I'm not going after Steph Curry. I wouldn't do that. But I do think that there is an element of truth to what it is that the caller had to say. I agree. I think that, and again, we're talking about among the like top 10 players. Yes. And and really, excuse me, and I really think it's it's more among the point guards. Like, I'm with you. There has never been an all-time point guard that I can recall in Steph's stratosphere that has been as loose with the basketball as he consistently has throughout his entire career. And I don't think it's that there's a lack of attention to it. I think it's just who he is. His first game in college at Davidson, he had 10 turnovers in the first half. (laughs) He turned the ball over 14 times against Eastern Michigan. This is who this guy's been his entire life. This is who you are with that stat. (laughs) But that's who he is. I mean, he he is loose with the basketball. That doesn't mean... Steph's not going anywhere, first of all. But you take with... You've always taken the great with it because it's heavily outweighed the few times in which it actually hurts you. The couple of times it, it hurts you sometimes is at the end of games. I think that's a big reason why the Warriors went out and got Chris Paul. Now, he's unavailable because he's hurt. But down the stretch of games, he's going to be on the floor, not because you don't trust Steph with the ball in his hands, but because those things like what happened against Sacramento might happen if it's all on him. There hasn't necessarily been another primary ball handler that's been tighter with the rock that I can recall, maybe Sean Livingston, but not guys that are guys that are going to be on the floor in crunch time. So I'm with you. That is a very frustrating part about Steph Curry. It might be the only frustrating thing about Steph Curry because everything else he gives us is absolutely amazing. Uh, Gene's out in Oakland. What's going on, Gene? You're on with Dan and Evan on 95.7 The Game. How are you? I'm fine. So 
I'm agreeing with a lot of what's being said, especially by the last caller. And um, and you, uh, uh, Dan, uh, you know, I'm being frustrated with with Curry and all. I, I too, have been very frustrated. Uh, once again, as I said a number of times, I mean, he's, as far as I'm concerned, the best warrior ever. And he's on my top ten list. But, you know, the turnovers, particularly at the end of games, just drive me crazy. So I understand he's the man. And Kerr has already said he's going to let, you know, his, his main guys – starting with Curry, decide what to do at the end of games. But I hope that Curry begins to, you know, just play the end of games better. I mean, that last game was horrible. I mean, he, he still he still thinks he's going to be able to go in, take over, find a way to win the game for us. So he dribbles, 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 15 seconds left. He draws two, he draws three, and then, you know, and then he gets picked. And it's happened, you know, at least three or four times that I can remember this year so you know Steph please <laughs> stop doing that all right give the ball up move it around play a regular brand of basketball look for the open man and uh and allow us a, a chance to win you know in the future nitpicking here but yeah I think it's fair you know yeah and I think it, we've always say this especially when it comes to Clay Thompson when a, when is he at his most effective is when he lets the game come to him and when it comes to Steph you know, when Steph plays within the system and he gets going, I mean, he can take anybody once he's in that zone. Like he can he can take anybody off the dribble. Um, he can shoot it as well as anyone. But I do think that every player has, you know, their level of limitations. And in order for those limitations to be at least recognized, there has to be a coach or there has to be a hierarchy that says, you know, Knock that off, or you know you can't. Let's well, not knock that off. It's a little bit strong, but can we? Yeah, can we tone it down in terms of you know making sure that this possession counts? You know, however it is that you want, whatever the phraseology is, you have to address the fact that he's very prone to turning over the ball, especially in key moments. Yeah, he is, but he is also like you mentioned, he plays within the system. I, Steph is the system. Yeah, the no. system of the Warriors is Steph and Curry. So that's. <laughs> That's what you get. And and I think it applies to all the older guys on the team now. It's like we're seeing more of their flaws that have really been there their entire careers just because they're in tighter games. The margin for error is less for the Warriors. It's less for all of these players. Steph is still playing at a ridiculous level, especially for aged guys, uh, guys that are of the age 35 and older. He's still unbelievable. But... When you're not as good as you were five years ago, certainly ten years ago, which is understandable, sometimes those flaws, which have, again, been there your entire career, shine a little bit brighter. And it might be unfair to point out, but that's the reality. Uh, Chris is in San Jose. What's going on, Chris? How are you, my man? Hey, guys. Um, I just want to say that um, I'm disappointed in the fan base. Um, Going after Clay, going after Steph, going after Draymond, after all that they've brought, the joy they've brought, the championships they've brought, you know, we're having a little bit of a down year. I think we'll get it back together here. They're learning to play with Chris Paul. Uh, now he's been out for a while. And, um, you know, as my 13-year-old son, you know, who plays AAU said, people that want to get rid of Clay just don't know basketball. They don't know how hard it is to get that ball in that hoop consistently. And the question would be, who do you guys want to trade for uh, that's better than the guys we have. I, I don't think there's anybody out there that averages 18 a game, 
um, that 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 can play better than Clay. So I, I would ride this thing out with our guys, and um, th- that's the respect they deserve, in my opinion. Thanks for the call, Chris. Appreciate it. I, I'm with him on Clay. I don't think that there's a replacement that's better for him, at least right now. Now in the off season, and there's been a couple of guys I kept my eye on as far as expiring contracts that are are good shooters, but right now. I do. I do think it just. It again. It goes understated how important shooting is in the modern game, and whether you think Clay Thompson sometimes takes bad looks and he's up and down, which is fair criticism. At the end of the day, they need him because if you look at the best offense, I referenced the stat earlier, Dan. If you look at the best offense in the NBA, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have eight players that shoot forty percent or better from three point range. The Warriors have three. And now Clay is not one of them, but he is one of their two volume three point shooters that can fill it up at a high clip. You need him. You need him for now. And when we get to the offseason, I'm sure we'll have a discussion about his future. But I'm inclined to think that Clay Thompson is still an, an addition to the Warriors, not a subtraction. He is, and I never was, you know, I was never in favor of trading him necessarily again because he's much like that of Andrew Wiggins. You're not getting a lot in return. I just think that now we have to recognize that he's going to be 34 years of age and it's part of an older core. And I just think that pulling back his minutes and having him being less of a focus. Because it doesn't mean that he can't shoot it. In fact, that's all I'd like to see him do. Let him be, you know, somebody that exclusively comes in like a Jamal Crawford, and just your job is to shoot us back into a basketball game. But I, I don't think that to see him get as many minutes and to be the focal point, it's almost as if Steve Kerr is saying this is still 2017, and these guys can still reach down and be those guys. And that's clearly not the case. I'm not saying get rid of him. It's not a matter of disrespect. It's just a matter of of limiting his role, and again, role being the operative word. Really quick, before Mm -hmm. we move off of Steph Curry, and you mentioned how a guy at age 35 is doing what it is that he's doing. You know, at 35 used to be the death sentence for professional athletes, especially in the NBA. Larry Bird was retired at 35. Magic went out at 36. In those last three or four years, they were mailing it in. A mere shell of themselves. Uh, Same with a lot of players back in the day. Now, you know, conditioning has a lot to do with the modern athlete, especially as it relates to the NBA. But what Steph is doing, as well as, you know, LeBron James, who I think set the table there, it's not something to be taken for granted. No, it's not. And it's also not something to assume that's going to just continue. Like, if it does, that's gravy. And I think LeBron has kind of reworked our minds of what is to be expected from beyond the age of 35. Also, someone like Tom Brady, you know, who probably played the best football of his career beyond the age of 35 and did nothing but win. But I don't want Steph to be in the position in the next three years of his hopeful prime still or high level of play where he has to shoulder everything all the time. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really rare for an athlete to be able to do that. If he can, that's awesome. But that, to me, should not be an expectation for him because, to your point, majority of guys and guys that are great and all-time Hall of Famers don't. So 
I, I, I agree with you. We should appreciate it. We should love him for all that he's given us and what he's continuing to give the Warriors, but don't expect that it's going to always be the case. Yeah, and to that point, when you talk about LeBron James, when you talk about Tom Brady and somebody else that you, you offered as a comparison, think about what those two guys did. LeBron James, who was saying anything you will about him, but he's smart, right? Yeah. And he knew the older he got, the more reliant he became on his teammates and other players, which is why he goes out and gets an Anthony Davis. He knows that he needs to offset, and he knows he needs to pull back. Therefore, let me go get another star so I can, you know, my role can be diminished to a certain degree. Same with Tom Brady. The older he got, when he was making his decision to leave New England, where am I going to go play? Well, who has an offensive line? Because I'm not that guy anymore. I can't throw from different platforms. I got to be a stationary quarterback. Protect me, keep me clean, and I can still be effective. But it was very methodical in terms of what it is that they were doing towards the end of your career. As it relates to Steph Curry, I think it's a great point. That they're still treating Steph Curry as though, again, it's 2018 and it's all about you. Whereas these other, these other athletes, as they got older and they were the greatest at their sports, respectively, it was much more calculated as far as how they went off to the sunset. So you're, to your point again, just to reemphasize, Steph can still be Steph, but not to this level. Yeah, and I think there's also a conversation we're going to have this summer, maybe later on throughout this season, of you know whether or not Steph still is the number one for a title team. Because to your point about LeBron, he was not the best player on that championship team in the bubble, in my opinion. And I don't think he's the best player on the Lakers right now. I think it's Anthony Davis. And, of course, we're going to see both of them tonight at 530. Uh, It's a national game on ABC. We can catch the play-by-play here with Tim and Tom on 95.7 The Game. I'll be on Warriors Live from Ballast Point Brewing Company starting at 430. So if you're heading out to the game at Chase Center, stop by before, grab a pop, grab a burger, say what's up, and let's enjoy the Warriors hopefully getting a victory over their rivals from LA. All right, Jocko is in Twain Hart. Twain Hart. What's up, Jocko? What do you got, my man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. I've been yeah. listening to you. I've been on a bike ride up here in the foothills, and I decided to pull over and get, talk to you guys before the end of the show. Sweet. Um, I, I, I can relate to what the last caller said about appreciating what the Corps has done, but, um, you know, there's only one Curry on the team, and he's the one that, you know, you ride with till the very end, till the wheels fall off. But uh, I wanted to talk about how um, the Hawks and the Warriors are really good trade partners because I would send um, Chris Paul's expiring uh, Moody, a first-round pick, and if they want uh, Pods or TJD, I would send them as well for DeJounte Murray and Capella. Hmm. Um and I think it would balance the roster out a little bit. And then, you know, moving forward, uh, you're going to have a 6'5 guard with a 6'10 wingspan playing next to Curry and DeJounte Murray, who can hit threes. He can create for himself and others. He can uh, run point when Curry's on the bench. And uh, I would let Clay walk. I mean, I, if I'm paying DeJounte 20-something million a year versus Clay 20-something million a year, I'm, I'm taking the younger guy. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I think it's interesting. I, I don't mind using Chris Paul as a trade chip, by the way. I think that's probably their best route to upgrade this season because he's expiring. I think also when he comes back, he's an asset to a winning team. I don't know about the Hawks, but I also think that there's a lot of teams that want his deal and want his services, especially now that he's shown that he'd come off the bench. So I'm with you there, but I'm I, I don't know, Dan. I'm just I'm not I'm not sold on Murray. I'm not. Well, you, what's the name of that brewery you're going to? Ballast Point. 
Ballast? Ballast. Ballast. Yeah, originally Point. a San Diego brewing company, now up here in Mission Bay. So if Landry Fields, who happens to be the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks, who pulls the trigger on these trades, if he's over there with you at that brewery, Ballast Point, yeah. and you get him sideways, like he's a half rack deep <laughs> into his 12th beer, then maybe... You can pull the wool over his eyes, but nobody's making that trade. Not for Moody and not for Chris Paul and, you know, the bag of scrubs that we're trying to, to hide under the table there. Uh, no one's, you're not getting DeJounte Murray, and you're sure as hell not getting Capel in that deal as well. Do I like it? Yes. It's just not on me to go out to the caller. Sorry, Jocko. I love you, man. But I'm just, that's just not happening. Well, I also just think the, the strategy of two six foot five and smaller guards, it. it 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 just doesn't work. Like if you're talking about coming. winning a championship, it, it just doesn't work. Like you look at the West right now. Look at the backcourts of Denver. Jamal Murray, KCP. KCP is a two-way player that can defend. I know he's he's about six five, but Jamal Murray's a little bit bigger. Um, and they got such a front a strong front line, it doesn't really matter. You look at the Clippers. Harden's a bit taller. Uh, I mean, even look at the Warriors, what used to do in their heyday. I mean, one of the big reasons that they could play so well and and keep perimeter guards in front of them is because Klay Thompson was 6'7", he was playing the two. So you got to be long, yes. And I know Murray has a long wingspan, and I, I appreciate that note, Jocko. That is true. He is understated in how long that he is, but... I'm just not sure if it's going to solve the Warriors' issues. Let me throw this at you, Dan, before we, we get out of here here on Warriors this week. There was a trade, let's see, a hypothetical trade from the Comcast Business text line, 773. The most impactful move for the Warriors is to trade Chris Paul. Also, their first and second round picks from 2025 to 2027 to the Chicago Bulls for Nikola Vucevic and Alex Caruso. If the Bulls say no, you throw in Moses Moody and no more than that. Again, that's not enough. Vucevic is a player. Vucevic is a huge asset. And bigs are coming back in the NBA. I just don't think, unless now the Kaminga's off the table, you have enough trade assets to lure somebody even like Vucevic. Vucevic, you would take in a heartbeat. I mean, for those that aren't in the in the know or familiar, follow this stuff, Vucevic is a serviceable, good center in the NBA. And that's where I think this begins and ends. You know, when we talk about the sort of space that the Warriors are in right now, right now, where they they lack a big, and the big that they have is Kavon Looney, who on the offensive end you got to go hide in the corner because he's not going to give you anything, right? It's with James Weissman. It's missing on James Weissman is has put the Golden State Warriors behind the eight ball. If Jace, if if if, Drew, if is it, what's Weissman's first name? James. James Weissman have worked out. Jim James Jimbo Big Jim. If Weissman had worked out. You got that two-way player, and now you've got somebody like that of a Chet Holmgren or like that of the big front line of Minnesota. You've got somebody where you can compete with these bigs that are dominating the game right now. I mean, think about the MVPs. It's Giannis. It's, it's Jokic. It's these guys. And the fact that they swung and miss on a big, and they have to play small, and when they play with the Kevon Loonies of the world, you know, they're hiding these guys in the corner, really sort of explains away what happened to the Golden State Warriors in missing in the draft yeah. and why they're why they're at where they're at right now. And where they're at right now is, I think, you know, again, the, the big picture takeaway from the show today, and I think we're both on board of this, is there needs to be more of a fusion 
of the young and the old. It's been a tug and pull all season long. We're finally getting to the point where Kaminga is contributing as the second option right now for the Warriors. But Jemski is getting major minutes. Would like to see, and I think we will see TJD tonight against the Lakers, but there needs to be more of the balance in-game, in addition to just rotations, in addition to just minutes. That kind of tug and pull that we see and saw in the final possession against Sacramento, that is something that needs to be bridged a bit better. I think will help the Warriors try and dig themselves out of a four-game hole. So as we conclude here, Dan, just want to say I always appreciate you, my man. And I look forward to doing it again next Saturday. God, this is like uh, it was like mass the way you ended things. As we leave today, <laughs> can we please remember? As we end today's mass, well, I ask it, you all to it's go. It's a Jewish Sabbath. I don't know. It's <laughs> not a Christian one. Have fun at the bar today, bro. Oh, dude, wait, I'm gonna be working, Dan. Okay, I'm gonna be working, so I'm only gonna have two. All right. <laughs> No, nah, that'll be good stuff. It should Just be. Just drag me over to Ballast Point. Yeah, come on. You got to get get down there. Uh, what is it? The the Sculpin IPA is their their marquee beer. They got a great fruit. No, we should they got do a different... show from Ballast oh, Point. Oh, yeah, I would love to. Uh, cut this for the sales tap, please. So I <laughs> would love to do a show out there at Ballast Point. If you're down in Mission Bay, 4.30, Warriors Live at Ballast Point Brewing Company, please stop by, say hello. We'd be happy to talk to you. Grab a burger, grab a beer before the Warriors take on the Los Angeles Lakers at 5.30. All right here on 95.7. The game, Tim and Tom got the call for you, and the action starts at 5.30. LeBron James, Anthony Davis are in town. Steph Curry and the Warriors try and get back to their winning ways against their vaunted rivals from SoCal, but that'll put a bow on this edition of the Warriors this week. Big thank you to our YouTube chat, powered by First North Cal Credit Union. Always love the chimes and the contrib- uh, contributions. Of course, from our Comcast business text line, everyone that called in today, thank you for making this, as always, a fun space to chat about the dub for three hours every single Saturday, 9 to noon. For Dan DeVoe, my name is Evan Giddings thing saying so long, and we'll talk to you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 